This is Kinch with a special book giveaway. So this is a kind of long podcast because I like this book so much. It is Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I bought a hundred of these books. I thought they were so good to give away. I thought that, hey, the teachers at my kid's school, they should have some. People at Toastmasters, they should have some. And also my audience, you guys, you should have this book. If you'd like a free copy that I will most likely mail to you, since I still have copies and or have Amazon send you one, or maybe even I'll buy you the ebook if you would like that more, if you like to read on the Kindle app or on the Kindle itself, which I quite enjoy doing, although I do like having some of these book and paper, books in paper form as well. Do this for me. Review the podcast on iTunes and either through the website, drop us a note saying, hey, I reviewed this and here's where you can send my book, be it the email address if I go ahead and get the Kindle version for you or the paper version. So review it on iTunes. Say, hey, look, I reviewed your podcast. You can send me suggestions there or give me suggestions in email for what you like, what you'd like to hear more of. And then definitely either email me, Kinch Rindell, and look that up. Do not try to dispel that at gmail.com or just use the submit form on yourbusinesspodcast.com. I will go ahead and spell the name. It's K-I-N-C-H-R-E-I-N-D-L. So review that. And then check out by letting me know, hey, I'd like the book. Here's what version I'd like. Just let me know that. I will send you this book. And also check out if you Google or we'll have in the show notes. She's also written up a follow-up article to this book saying they've realized after writing the book, so many people just are kind of like faking that they have the right mindset. And the gist is really the key is, you're always trying to change things enough to keep learning. Like, hey, this didn't work. I'm going to figure out how to make it work. I tie this back into Ty Lopez and everybody else I've been learning from. You're experimenting. You're trying something and you're, oh, it didn't work. Okay, I'm going to tweak it and try it again. Okay, that didn't work at all. I'm going to try a new experiment with something else. So just do that. I really like this book so much so I spent over 800 bucks of my own money to buy the book, give it to people in hopes it would help them. And let me tell you, lots of people have liked this book. I give it to one guy. He goes, that's my favorite book. He's actually a really well-known speaker, won the World Series of – World Series – won the um, World Championships of Toastmasters speaking back in 2001, Ed Tate. My mom got the book finally a week or two ago, and she's like, I wish I would have gotten this 20 years ago. This is really good. One lady at Toastmasters said, this was so good I read it twice already. So I read it, most all of it again before I did the podcast – and I think I could have gone for another hour and a half or however long I went. I could have doubled that easily. So check it out. Give me a review if you want a copy of the book. Give me one anyway. That'd be great on iTunes. Shoot me an email and or from the website. Give me your address or email address, how you want that book delivered. Enjoy. This book is phenomenal when it comes to trying to figure out what mindset you might have in different areas of your life. I find it quite incredible just to start thinking about all the different things when it comes to a, as she says, a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Has a lot of good chapters in here from teaching, from being a parent. She talks a lot about Michael Jordan, comparing him to John McEnroe. Being Michael Jordan was always somebody that could grow and work at things, whereas John McEnroe was much more fixed. And to get into some of this, with the fixed mindset, they did so many tests and different tests with kids and adult, mainly kids, but also a little bit with adults to literally put them in different mindsets to let them think, Hey, 
you are born with all this talent. You are so talented. You're just a genius. You're a great little kid. You're just so bright. You're so smart. And what they found was once a kid thought they were smart or bright at what they were doing, they didn't look for challenges. They weren't even okay working at challenges. She, in the book, she goes, they brought kids in for some study at some point, And some kids were like, wow, give me something harder. This is fun. Yeah, let me roll my sleeves up here. And she's like, what's wrong with these kids? And it comes to come, came to find out, she realized there's two different mindsets. She also points out that she teaches at Columbia University that she was encouraged by her students to actually write this book to get it out there. This book will cost you just under $10 on Amazon, free shipping if you have Prime. And if you want to buy the Kindle edition, it's $10.99. I have to once again recommend the Kindle, which can work on your iPhone or anything. The Kindle app allows me to highlight things and make notes and then come back and log in on kindle.amazon.com and see all my notes, see all the highlights I did. I could probably talk about this book for hours. I mean, reading it the second time was just like, wow, how did I forget some of this stuff? Just she has so many good examples. When I gave it out, at least one person said, I read the first chapter, I get the point. You can get the point, but can you remember all these intricacies? I doubt it. For myself, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm a growth-minded person. Yeah, I'm very open to learning and trying and figuring things out. But then she points out in the book something that hits home with me. When it comes to thinking I'm an artist that can draw, let's say, or paint, I'm thinking, no, I wasn't born with those skills. And she said she wasn't either until she learned about a class where within five days, I think it's a five-day class, people come out and can draw. She has some different pictures in here of that. Maybe I can find them where literally people are scratching on a piece of paper much like I would do. And then after five days of their self-portrait, it's amazing. I saw it on my Kindle, so I haven't flipped through these books. I mean, just so many good chapters. Actually, I should start with the chapters and read those off to you guys. About 270 pages. A pretty easy read. Something that's, as James Altucher says, you can feel your brain growing. So she starts off with the mindsets. Why do people differ? What does all this mean for you? The two mindsets. She has a view of the two mindsets. What's new about this? Self-insight. Who has more accurate views of their assets and limitations? Uh, chapter two is inside the mindsets. Is success about learning or proving you're smart? Mindsets change the meaning of failure. Mindsets change the meaning of effort. Then she has questions and answers. Those are quite good. I think I highlighted all of those. The truth about ability and accomplishment is chapter three and mindset and school achievement. I mean, the studies they've done in school are amazing. Some of the teachers she talks about that took some of the, the kids that had been kicked out of all the other schools and they have them reading within four months and discussing all kinds of the, like the older literature that I myself probably didn't even read. Amazing what teachers have pulled off the quote. Hopefully I'll say this more than once during this podcast. Literally this kid goes, once it's explained to him that you can grow your intelligence, he goes, I don't have to be dumb anymore. I just talk about hitting home that literally, that's why I bought a copy of this book for every single teacher at my kid's school. Once the principal located it, he said he would email them and hand them out. I handed out a couple myself to make sure they got there. All right, back to chapter three was the truth about ability and accomplishment. And that's where she talks about mindset and school achievement is artistic ability a gift. That's where she references that you can learn how to draw where I literally thought, Oh, I can't draw that. You just have to be born with that. Nope. Don't have to be born with that. Next part of chapter three is the danger of praise and positive labels. 
almost all of us parents who have two kids, literally, we praise our kids. Or you might hear yourself say, oh, you're so smart. Oh, great job on that test. One of her examples is if a kid gets 100 on a test, you should say, I'm sorry that did not challenge you. What she comes back to saying over and over again is, it's all about a kid being open to the challenge to realize they can learn and to keep trying, which is what I think makes you successful in life and business, which is why this is called Your Business Podcast, helping you find freedom through your own business. All right, continuing on the chapters, part three, or chapter three has a section called Negative Labels and How They Work. And there's a total of eight chapters. So chapter four, sports, the mindset of a champion. I like that. I mean, I don't play sports as much anymore, but I still compete in autocross car racing. So in the sports, she definitely breaks down the Michael Jordan versus John McEnroe ideas over and over again of being born. And if you're born thinking you have all this talent, she points out time and time again, you blame everybody but yourself. John McEnroe is always blaming a noise or this or that. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to challenge myself and overcome. Next part of chapter four is character. Then what is success? What is failure? And so often, is failure something you look down upon? Or is failure something you can learn from? It's definitely something you can learn from. Continuing, taking charge of success. What does it mean to be a star? And hearing the mindsets. Chapter five is business, mindset, and leadership. Enron and the talent mindset. I'm going to skip some of these because this... Chapter five has about 12 different pieces, but some are, are great. Like our leaders born or made corporate training, our managers born or made our negotiators born or made. She points out time and time again, how you can learn to be a different mindset and how that'll help you. And just for anybody tuning in, we're doing a book review of mindset. This is a great book. I found out about it because it's on the top 10 list of James Altucher who reads four or five books a week. I mean, a great book. Your, your brain will expand. And even if you think you're a growth mindset and you're open to everything, I found that in certain parts of my life, I was not open. I was thinking, oh, I can't do that. I'm fixed. I can't draw, let's say. So she gets into chapter six, which is relationships, mindset and love or not. Talking about how if you just have a fixed mindset and love, you will blame your partner for so many things. Instead of saying, oh, we can grow and change. You'll just, oh, it's not my fault. I'm perfect. I'm, I'm, I am great at love and life. So you start blaming the other person or blaming things outside of you instead of working on yourself. So in this relationships chapter, we have relationships are different mindsets, falling in love. Uh, yes. Opposites attract thus an open mind or a fixed mindset will definitely attract to a growth mindset. The partner as enemy competition. Who's the greatest developing in relationships, friendship, shyness, bullies, and victims. Chapter seven is parents, teachers, and coaches. So I have read this chapter twice. It's just so good to learn how you can really help your kids be more successful in life and studying that they're okay with challenges. She said so many kids, we kind of set them up or teachers set them up by thinking, oh, look at your IQ or look how smart you are. And that kind of holds down the kids that, that, that literally think that they're smart. Because once they're deemed to be smart, they're not willing to try something that would prove they're not smart. So this is, I mean, one reason why I bought the books and gave them to the teachers. Let's say parents and teachers, messages about success and failure. Literally, you've got to make it okay for kids to fail. You've got to make it okay for yourself to fail because it's, it's an experiment. It says teachers and parents, what makes a great teacher or parent? Coaches winning through mindset and our legacy. Chapter eight is changing mindsets. 
talking about that, yes, you can change your mindset and even just knowing about the mindsets can help you think differently when you're approaching something or when you want to give up on something. The Nature of Change, The Mindset Lectures, A Mindset Workshop, Brainology. And I got to mention this because I didn't catch it the first time. They have online classes for schools and for even individual kids. I believe they said it was targeted a, a grades five through nine. I think I'm going to get this for my kids. I sent it to the principal of our kid's school in case he dare wants to look into it. Just to help them. They said in some of these studies, as soon as they got a kid thinking that it was good to have the growth mindset to be challenged by things, that it's good for you, your brain really grows, that you can get smarter. Like the one kid said, I don't have to be dumb anymore. Like he didn't know that. He just considered that he was doomed to be dumb. So for those of you just joining, I'm doing a book review of The Mindset. This is a great book, Top 10 of James Altucher. I'm just finishing up the chapter review here. So chapter 8 was changing your mindset once again. You can change it and the benefits of that. Um, all right, let's get in some of my notes on my Kindle app. Let's get over here. I'm just going to do some readings from this and then kind of tell you what I think and how it applies to me and maybe how can, you can relate to it as well. Let's start with this. What did they know? They knew that human qualities such as intellectual skills could be cultivated through effort. And that's what they were doing, getting smarter. Not only were they discouraged, they weren't discouraged by failure. They didn't even think they were failing. They thought they were learning. So what do I think about this? How could you ever test yourself or test somebody, a kid or somebody to see if they have a fixed mindset or open mindset? You could look at yourself in different areas or look at a kid and see how do they deal with a setback or a failure? If people or kids see a setback as something to learn from, they can find a positive. That's the growth mindset that will reward you. So in business and life as an adult, definitely reward yourself for trying and learning from your failures and just saying, Hey, if I'm never failing, you're never going to succeed. I got a little side tangent here is. The media makes us think that all these inventors and famous people throughout the years were working by themselves, but they weren't. Thomas Edison, they said, had a staff of 30 people working on a light bulb. It wasn't just him. All right, another reading from the book. What are the consequences of thinking that your intellect, intelligence or personality is something you can develop as opposed to something that's fixed, deep-seated trait? So she starts hitting on the very beginning of the book. Most of us think that really our intelligence, how smart we are, is something we're born with, not realizing that it can be cultivated. Literally, the, the chapters here on the kids that were kicked out of all the schools, and the teacher said, hey, we're going to put an effort here, and you're going to become smarter. It's just amazing what they've been able to do in different schools once they opened up and let the kids know, hey, you are not doomed by some IQ or something else. And the IQ test is something, I'm going to read a pretty long chapter here out of the book for the IQ test. The guy that developed it actually developed it so that the people with the lower IQ could actually be helped by being taught differently. Whereas when I think of an IQ test, I think, oh, you're a natural brainiac if you have a high IQ. That's what it wasn't. It wasn't even created for that. So let's read this chapter on IQ and literally just point out what he was thinking when he came up with this test to literally help kids with a lower IQ improve that IQ to become smarter. Others pointed to the strong differences in people's backgrounds, experiences, training, or ways of learning. It may surprise you to know that a big champion of this view was Alfred Bennett, the inventor of the IQ test. Wasn't the IQ test meant to summarize children's unchangeable intelligence? In fact, no. 
He was a Frenchman working in Paris in the early 20th century. He designed this test to identify children who were not profiting from the Paris public schools so that new educational programs could be designed to get them back on track. Without denying individual differences in children's intellects, he believed that education and practice could bring about fundamental changes in intelligence. Here is a quote from one of his major books, Modern Ideas About Children, in which he summarizes his work with hundreds of children with learning difficulties. A few modern philosophers assert that an individual's intelligence is a fixed quantity, a quantity that cannot be increased. We must protest and react with react against this brutal pessimism with practice training and above all method we manage to increase our attention our memory our judgment and literally become more intelligent than we were before so that's just a crazy thought for the iq test it was developed to find out which kids were not learning with the current methods that they were being taught by and that's where literally my wife was talking to me today on a walk saying somebody pointed out how adhd just means that the kid doesn't learn the way the teacher is teaching, so they're bored. They, they get in trouble. So in this book about mindset, she references this just to let you know that a kid's mindset might be open and growth-minded, but if they're being taught the wrong way, the IQ has nothing to do with that. You can improve your supposed IQ, the smartness that you think some people were born with. As she points out with Michael Jordan, he improved, he improved, he worked at it. He realized it was growth. Moving on to some other parts of this book, and for anybody tuning in, this is the book review of Mindset, and I will be giving some copies away on the podcast at yourbusinesspodcast.com that comes out this next week after we record this and cut it down. This book is phenomenal. When I gave out a lot of copies, some lady said, I'm reading it twice already, so that inspired me to read it a second time before I did this review. So let's read some more about aptitudes, and this is something I've... I've heard it from Dr. Joe Dispenza and other things about even quantum physics. This is talking about the neuroscience. So it's, his name is Gilbert, an eminent neuroscientist, put it, not only do genes and environment cooperate as we develop, but genes require input from the environment to work properly. And she touches on something here that I've researched quite a bit and heard about a lot, that literally not only can your brain grow and you can get smarter, but also your genes. So people assume, oh, I'm going to get cancer because my parents had cancer. Well, your genes are affected by your environment and how you feel and how you think. Not just They're just not dooming you. They actually change depending on your environment. Back to the book. People may start with different temperaments and different aptitudes, but it is clear that experience, training, and personal effort take them the rest of the way. This is another example that we can change and improve with effort. So she quotes quite a few things in here in addition to the several decades of studies they've done. Another quote here is the present-day guru of intelligence, Robert Sternberg, writes that the major factor in whether people achieve expertise is not some fixed prior ability but purposeful engagement. And she points out over and over again how many people that we'd look at as very famous and achieved a lot as kids, even if they were athletic, as a adult, they weren't as a kid. Or how bad somebody was as a painter to begin with. And how with a lot of effort that grew. And not in the book, but I think of people like Bill Gates, who supposedly never took a day off between his, the age of 20 and 30. They're putting in the work. They realize they can grow and learn. 
Back to the book. For 20 years, my research has shown that the view you adopt for yourself profoundly affects the way you lead your life. How true is that? Another thought is you get what you expect to get. People treat you the way you expect to be treated. And in reality, you treat yourself the way you expect to be treated. Back to the book. Believing that your qualities are carved in stone, the fixed mindset, creates an urgency to prove yourself over and over again. And she hits on John McEnroe so many times in here. I feel like she's talked to him and maybe interviewed him or such. That literally, once you think that you are smart, you've got a great IQ, you're just not as willing to put in the effort. You're going to keep thinking and try to prove to yourself and others that you are smart and bright, but you're not going to challenge yourself because that might knock you down. And you all of a sudden be like, oh, I'm not as bright as the other kids. And she points out in the chapter of the teachers in college that as you rise up through different levels of whether it's business or college or school, graduate school, all of a sudden you get thrown in with more and more people that are closer and closer to your supposed intelligence level. But then all of a sudden the people with their growth mindset, they keep working at things. And you're thinking, wow, I'm not as bright. When in reality, it's not that that person's not as bright. It's not about being bright. It's about putting in the work, putting in the time, being open to the challenges. I just see this all over in, your, in a life of making you more successful. Whether you have a job you don't so much like, if you're into the growth mindset, you'll probably find some way to suggest some things or try things or grow yourself outside of your business or outside of your job so you can have your own business. So just so many good quotes and so much good information that she has compiled being a teacher and doing all these studies for decades. Okay, this is talking about, I believe, like a teacher. So unlike the guy that um, created the IQ score test, she believed that people's IQ scores told the whole story of who they were. We were seated around the room in IQ order, and only the highest IQ students could be trusted to carry the flag, clap the erasers, or take a note to the principal. So what she talks about here is herself, how she got put into the, or was even being taught, and all the kids were being taught by the teacher, that literally, whoever's the smartest, very fixed mindset thinking, is going to be the smartest and I can trust them. Instead of nurturing the other people, no, 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 we're just assuming since you have a lower IQ, we're going to line you up in order, and I'm not going to trust you with anything. So guess what? They don't get the practice. They don't have the wherewithal to even think to build any confidence because they're not being trusted with anything. It's just amazing how she started realizing all these things like, whoa, that is crazy that teachers and parents create this. And she points out time and time again in the chapter that literally, if you're praising your kid and saying, you're smart, you're beautiful, you're pretty, that is hurting them. That's almost dooming them for future endeavors because they're going to start judging everything outside of their control, not realizing they control what's really important with a growth mindset that they can keep trying, they can learn, they can improve. All right, back to the book. Let's see which next part. Um, I may have went too far down. All right. Do people with this mindset believe that anyone can be anything? That anyone with proper motivation or education can become Einstein or Beethoven? No. But they believe that a person's true potential is unknown and unknowable. That it's impossible to foresee. What can be accomplished with years of passion, toil, and training? That reminds me that mentors are very important even because these people like Einstein actually had mentors. 
not only were they out there tooling and trying and just expanding their, their knowledge and trying over and over again after failure after failure after failure, blazing new trails, they also had help. And I see if you're the growth mindset and you're explaining that to kids or people, you are a mentor in a way. Because, I mean, literally, I'm, I'm thinking a mentor and a growth mindset is the best combination you can have. Let's see what else. With constant effort, much is achieved and accomplished, it makes me think of, as well as many of the people we see as successful spent years finding their success. Back to the book. Did you know that Darwin and Tolstoy, oh, can I say it, Tolstoy, were considered ordinary children? That Ben Hogan, one of the greatest golfers of all time, was completely uncoordinated and graceless as a child. So once again, some kids are going to think they're doomed if they really think the skills they have at some age are all they can have or that, that that's going to limit them to how much they can rise, how much they can learn, how much they can grow. It's just not true. Yet a lot of us accept that in some part of our life or all of our life that we are limited by this fixed mindset. Back to the book. Why waste time proving over and over how great you are? When you could be getting better, why hide deficiencies instead of overcoming them? Why look for friends or partners who just who will just shore up your self-esteem instead of ones who will also challenge you to grow? And why seek out the tried and true instead of the experiences that will stretch you? The passion for stretching yourself and sticking to it, even or especially when it's not going well, is the hallmark of the growth mindset. This is the mindset that allows people to thrive during some of the most challenging times in their lives. Makes me want to want to say basically there is always more you can learn and accomplish on your journey. That there's always, even the people you hang out with, this is from like a Ty Lopez, either free YouTube or a class I've taken from him. You should be hanging out with people that aren't below your level that you feel good about. Oh, look, I make more money than them or I have a nicer car but also people on your level and then people above your level, the people that will challenge you to grow, the people that will give you constructive criticism and you're okay with that. That's another little test. I would think, are you okay with constructive criticism? If so, and you take it, and you grow from it, then definitely that that's, that's a positive. I mean, I'm married. So at times, do I want that criticism or that constructive criticism? No, I'm pretty good at shooting it away. And in reading the book the second time, I'm like, man, where would I have a fixed mindset? Like other things kind of popped up like, oh, am I kind of limiting myself there? I think the biggest reason I personally have a growth mindset is because I wasn't that um, good at, let's say, basketball and sports in high school. I went to a really small school so I could be on the team, but I didn't get to play a lot. And then I went to college, and all of a sudden, there were 12 basketball courts. And out of 40,000 kids, there was always somebody playing until almost midnight, I think. So I played a lot of basketball and I got pretty decent at basketball. And when I transferred to Texas tech, I remember somebody going, so where do you play? Like what, what college do you play at? I'm like, no, I just play right here in the gym with you guys. I, I literally learned that the growth I could grow, I could accomplish so much more than I had before by putting in the time. So I look back at that and all kinds of things and realize if you work at it, you will grow, you will learn. Hey, just saying hi over here. I'm doing a book review of a very good book, Mindset. Basically, it's a book that breaks down a lot of things from a open mindset to a, or a fixed mindset, I should say, where you think you're just intelligent at a certain level and can't grow to the growth mindset. So back to the book here. 
Yet those people with a growth mindset were not labeling themselves and throwing up their hands. So some people with a fixed mindset, they literally say, hey, I've accomplished this mark this much because I'm smart. I'm smarter than the other people. But once they do that, they're not willing to challenge themselves because then they'll be knocking themselves down. So they often make excuses. More from that sentence of the book. Even though these fixed mindset people felt distressed, they were ready to take the risks, confront the challenges, and keep working at them. They realized they would get ahead and accomplish by learning to continue to try. That's what I think. That's why the, the podcast is your business podcast, and I encourage you. You just got to take action. It's true. You got to learn from failure and be okay with failure because it's an experiment. More from the book. In other words, risk and effort are two things that might reveal your inadequacies and show that you are not up to the task. In fact, it's starting to see the degree to which people with a fixed mindset do not believe in effort. And she hits on this. If we're teaching our kids to have a fixed mindset, that they're just bright and they're just smart and they're special, they're not willing to work at things. They think it's just, oh, I bet you can buy the book in France. Sorry. <laughs> I have never done a live and pay attention to both things. So I believe so. Go to Amazon. It was 10 bucks here. If not, I can see about shipping you one. It's yourbusinesspodcast.com. I'll put this podcast out next week, and I will be giving away some books because I bought 100 of them. I probably still have 20 or 30 to give away. All right, so let's reread part of that so that I can continue on when we cut this out. We'll cut this little part too. So what's also new is that people's ideas about risk and effort grow out of their more basic mindset. It's not just that some people happen to recognize the value of challenging themselves and the importance of effort. Our research has shown that this comes directly from the growth mindset. So literally, the people that are open to growth are willing to put an effort and to challenge themselves, and they realize they learn. They do get smarter. <laughs> the kid that literally said, I don't have to be dumb anymore. Once the growth mindset was explained that your brain grows, it makes more connections, you do get smarter or brighter. That you can be like the other kids that you look at and think, oh, they're just smarter. They have a higher IQ. It's not true. Back to the book, Self-Insight, Who Has Accurate Views of Their Assets and Limitations. So they want to compare the two, the two mindsets to who really judges themselves properly. The fixed mindset or the person who can grow. And she says the people with the growth mindset were amazingly accurate. She points out in the book that literally people with the fixed mindset, even kids, they would give them these quizzes and kind of put them in a fixed mindset mode and then ask them to write down their grades because they're going to report those or something. The fixed mindsets, kids would lie because they really judge themselves and thinking that they're fixed. That, okay, I made a 80% or a B on this test. I'm going to lie and say I had an A because they get rewarded for that. Parents do that. Oh, you're so bright. You're so special. They just then are not willing to put in the effort because if they fail, they're not so smart anymore. They're not so bright, and they don't realize that they can grow and become brighter, become better. I mean, literally in sports, how many kids think that? How many coaches think that? That, hey, look at this guy. He's going to be better because of that one. That's not necessarily true at all. It's so much effort putting in the time and realizing you can grow and learn. More from the book. They're, the other thing exceptional people seem to have is a special talent for converting life setbacks into future successes. That's where you basically learn from every single failure. How many of us don't even have failures because we're too scared to finish something? At times I've wondered if I've had a fear of failure. 
has that held me back from some different goals and, and businesses that I've wanted to start or projects I wanted to kick off? I literally, I could talk for hours in this. I'm going to try to skip through some of these. Your intelligence is something very basic about you that you can't change very much. They think you can learn new things, but you can't really change how intelligent you are. Once again, false. No matter how much intelligence you have, you can always change it quite a bit. You can always substantially change how intelligent you are. So these are four questions that she would pose to people. And depending on how you answered them, she could kind of see if you had a fixed mindset or if you were over on the growth side, just by asking the questions, because so many of us think that literally our intelligence is fixed and kids, especially. So the school, she, she goes and talks about these teachers at these schools where they took the kids that were kicked out of all the schools and had them reading within three or four months. It just, it's amazing. That's why literally I bought this book and gave it to all the teachers at my kid's school. The principal luckily loved it and said, Hey, I'm a big fan now. And the more and more I've given it out, the more people are like, wow, this is amazing. So if you get the book, if you do the Kindle edition, definitely read the whole book. I'm going to finish reading the second time here in the next probably less than a week. I'll be done with the second reading of it. Okay. This is a part called inside the mindsets. When you enter a mindset, you enter a new world. In one world, the world of fixed traits, success is about proving you're smart or talented, validating yourself. In the other, the world of changing qualities, it's about stretching yourself to learn something new, developing yourself. And when you really look at it, that, that is so true that we can develop ourselves. That's why they say so much is possible because literally people accomplish so much more than they realize as long as they put in the effort and the time. And so many of us, I think, especially in this new high-tech world, think, oh, we're going to put out a podcast for three months. Most of the people that are really popular that are podcasters that I know, I'm in a podcast mastermind group, literally seven months, eight months, nine months, ten months, you got to keep doing it, keep putting in the effort, and you learn each and every time. That's why I'm still podcasting. It is not easy for me to sit here and read quotes and try to make them somewhat interesting. It's quite the challenge of having the growth mindset to say, hey, I'm going to keep plugging away at this. I'm going to keep plugging. I'm going to keep plugging. I'm going to listen to myself and see how I can improve myself. All right, more from the book. In one world, failure is about having a setback, getting a bad grade, losing a tournament, getting fired, getting rejected. It means you're not smart or talented. In the other world, failure is about not growing, not reaching for the things you value. It means you're not fulfilling your potential. And that really hits me in that I feel like myself, I, I have potential. And then I realize I think all of us have potential, but we're not necessarily all confident enough to pursue it. So if you can help anybody out, build anybody up and let them know, yes, you should try that. Hey, you should do this. Hey, you should write a book. Do that. Be a mentor. Be a supportive person in that. And if you find that if you're talking to somebody and you give them constructive feedback, and they don't take it. You might realize they have a fixed mindset. So you have to let them know, hey, I know you can do better. I know you can figure this out. If you give them that, just maybe the reassurance is really necessary. I may find that with my kids that I have to make sure I reassure them like, I know you can do this. I know with effort and time and practice, you can do what the other kids do. And in reality, even more. That's where I definitely don't, I don't really judge myself against other people. I don't see competition as against other people. It's really bringing the best out of me by putting in the work and the effort. All right, let's see in back to the book in one world. Effort is a bad thing 
it like failure means you're not smart or talented if you were you wouldn't need effort in the other world effort is what makes you smart or talented so literally if you can teach yourself or check yourself and and check with your kids to make sure what you praise them for what you reward yourself for is putting in the effort instead of listening to podcasts all day i'd say hey Yes, I might learn some things, but I need to put in the effort to produce content. You need to put in the effort to take positive steps, take some kind of steps each and every day. Be the tortoise that is slowly taking a step or taking a step every single day. The next part of this book is, is success about learning or proving you're smart? Let me just tell you, the fixed mindset thinks that they need to prove how smart they are. The growth mindset people are all about learning. I mean, I'm up to at least a book a week at this point because I want to learn. And I'm now learning not only to help myself, but then I can tell other people, hey, this is a great book. That's a great book. I do a podcast. I have people reaching out saying, hey, I really like those because not everybody's going to buy all these books and read all this. So I realized this is helpful, but this will also help people buy some books and learn and take different things from these books. And I, I can take for you. All right, back to the book here. If I can scroll down some more. And once again, the Kindle app on an iPhone or the Kindle you can buy. I love that I can highlight these things, log into kindle.amazon.com and see all of my quotes, all of my highlights, all of my notes right here in one location. That, that itself makes me buy books on the Kindle version, even though I have the paperback version. It's just so handy. So is success about learning or proving you're smart? Think about that. Is success for you that you're learning or just trying to prove how smart you are? And this ties back into something for me personally and what Ty Lopez had in one of his classes, that you need to have mentors that are above you. And I probably think, oh, no, I can figure it all out myself. You got to know that's so silly in life. And I find that I love helping people know what I know and that mentors above me, some of them are going to feel the same way. They're going to be glad to give knowledge, to give help, to see somebody else learn and prosper. All right, back to the book. Benjamin Barber, an eminent sociologist, sociologist, can I say it? Once said, I don't divide the world into the weak and strong or the successes and the failures. I divide the world into the learners and non-learners. And that's how so many successful people, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, they read and read and read and read. I think Warren Buffett reads up to 2,500, I think it what was it, could be pages, could be words a day. Ty Lopez quotes that quite often, how much he reads. And Bill Gates takes vacations to take 10 or 20 books on vacation just to read. These people read and read. Readers are leaders. It just, it's contagious. It changes your mindset in the fact that you are then going, wow, look what all I can learn and what all these people have accomplished. It kind of just rubs off and reprograms your brain. Back to the book. They become afraid of not being smart. I've studied thousands of people from preschoolers on, and it's breathtaking how many reject an opportunity to learn. And that just means that these kids are already programmed at some point to not want to learn. You're born wanting to learn. You're born learning how to walk, how to crawl, and you fall, fall down over and over again. But somehow we're programming our kids. Hey, you're smart. You're bright. Then they're like, oh, yeah, I am. So if I do something and I score low, oh, oh, I'm not smart and bright anymore. And that's what my parents look up to me for. Oh, so, I mean, it hits home with me. I, I catch myself and my wife now. Oh, that's so smart. No, no, no. Great effort. 
And I love the talk with kids. If they score 100 on an exam, you say, I'm so sorry they didn't challenge you. I mean, have you ever heard somebody say that to somebody? Let's say Kobe Bryant scored 81 points. I'm sorry it was so easy for you. I mean, literally, it's a whole like shift, even how you would like talk to the kids, encourage kids. And you're really encouraging them to be learners, to people that keep trying and trying and trying and learning and learning. All right, back to the book. Or I will raise my hand and say, how would this be solved? Or I don't get this. Can you help me? Just by doing that, I'm increasing my intelligence. She said she was blown away when some kids loved problems. Like, oh, how am I going to solve this one? They did some hard problems. Give me harder ones. Great. And the fixed mindset kids did not want their harder problems. And even more eye-opening, they had series of problems. They got harder and harder and harder. And then they came back and gave them easy problems. And the fixed mindset kids, after not doing well on the harder ones, did even worse on the easy ones that they did, they did better on the first time. So literally, I think every school, every principal should make sure that he, they do some training for the teachers and the kids to realize kids are not fixed by IQ. The IQ test was invented and created to find out which kids were not learning through the methods the schools were teaching to change the methods they were taught because the guy realized everybody can grow in intelligence. Your brain grows. It gets stronger. It's like a muscle you have to work out. So here's some stuff she asked in the book. So how did they figure out which kids were in which mindset? They, they asked them to agree with statements like this. Do you have a certain amount of intelligence and you can't really do much to change it? Can you? So basically if somebody agrees to that, that's pointing out that they're a fixed mindset, that they're in the fixed mindset. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm born smarter. I'm not. Back to the book. When you're lying on your deathbed, one of the cool things to say is, I really explored myself. And I'll say that I really challenged myself and kept challenging myself. Hopefully each and every day. I mean, it's kind of weird, but it, it's. I think it's so cool to be driven, to be better, to help others, to keep doing that stuff, to really... To realize you can. I wonder how many people don't even think they can help others. If they haven't helped themselves, they probably don't think they can. Yet a good pick-me-up is go and do something nice for someone else. If you're unemployed, go and help somebody else around the neighborhood. Clean up something. Pick up a yard. Mow a yard for free for somebody. I always say, if I didn't have a job, I'd start mowing yards. Get paid for the time and the good results. All right, back to the book. Stretching beyond the possible. That's what happens in so many cases with the growth mindset. What you think is possible is here. And you keep working at it and you keep working at it. The people that became very successful like Bill Gates. He was quoted as to say, I thought the software industry would be a maximum like of a company size of $100 million. And he was worth $60 billion. So the, the possible keeps raising. Your bar keeps going higher and higher with the growth mindset, with putting in the effort with having mentors more from the book thriving on the sure thing. Clearly people with a growth mindset thrive when they're stretching themselves. When do people with the fixed mindset thrive when things are safely within their grasp? If things get too challenging when they're not feeling smart or talented, they lose interest. So really take account of yourself. Do you like challenges? Does it make it more exciting? Do you try new things? 
If not, you've got to change your mindset to realize it's okay to do that. You don't have to judge yourself saying, oh, I don't understand how to use the new apps yet or the new iPhone or I can't handle a smartphone. No, realize at first it's going to take a while. Getting a mentor, someone to help you figure out even little things can really speed up the process. More from the book. When do you feel smart? When you're flawless or when you're learning? The plot is about to thicken. For in the fixed mindset, it's not enough just to succeed. It's not enough just to look smart and talented. You have to be pretty much flawless. And you have to be flawless right away. This comes back to literally people with a fixed mindset judge themselves and judge themselves and judge themselves. If they're not perfect, a la John McEnroe, if something wasn't perfect, he'd blame something, something outside of him. Did he challenge himself to say, oh, that noise distracted me. I'm going to blame on the noise. Okay, maybe I should go and practice with the noise all the time. They said, no, you, you wouldn't even try to improve that. You just blame it on something and move on. If you have ability, why should you need learning? Actually, people with fixed mindset expect ability to show up on its own before any learning takes place. And what I would say is, I don't remember being a kid under the age of five. So I imagine most kids, they don't realize, they just can't remember all the effort it takes to start learning things and all the time it takes to learn how to speak and how to read. So at some point they think, oh yeah, I'm smart and talented because guess what? As a three-year-old, I put in more time reading or the person teaching me really hit home with how to teach me specifically to read. And then when they're seven or eight, they're thinking, oh, I was always told I was smart. And they go, oops, uh, wait, if I'm smart, I didn't do well in this exam that was challenging. I don't want to challenge myself anymore. And they're going to judge themselves because they're not flawless. And you have to be flawless right away. So many of them think I have to be always smart, always smarter than somebody else. Otherwise... I can't expand that. I can't grow. I can't learn. If you have ability, why should you need learning? Actually, people with a fixed mindset expect ability to show up on its own before any learning takes place. Wow. That, that, that's just, it doesn't make sense to me just knowing that people like Michael Jordan, they improved and improved and improved and improved and put in the work and the effort. And the top people usually do, especially the ones that stick around very long. More from the book. There was a saying in the 1960s that went, Becoming is better than being. The fixed mindset does not allow people the luxury of becoming. They have to already be. Becoming is better than being. Growing the journey. Your journey is better than the end reward of thinking, Hey, I became a millionaire. All you can learn along the way, if you look at setbacks and challenges as things to learn, things to share that will help other people. Part of the book says a test score is forever. As in that when you get a certain test or an IQ rating, you think you're stuck there. Scary. But isn't potential someone's capacity to develop their skills with effort over time? Oh, yes, it is. People with a growth mindset know that it takes time for potential to flower. Every teacher, I think, should realize that and know that. That some kid sitting there that hasn't had all the input or the help or came from a different school or just never had any books to read at home, they can flower also. It may take the time. It always takes the time, right? You have to put in the effort. Some people seem like they didn't, but once again, they put in some kind of effort 
or they like to draw as a kid. Now they can draw. I mean, that really hit me that literally I assumed I, I have a fixed mindset that nope, you're born. Either you can draw and you're an artist or you're not. And she proves and shows pictures in the book that that's not true. Here's a longer paragraph in the book. And this is where they even surveyed teachers with examples of, hey, if you had a kid with a high IQ or low IQ, what do you think about this? So <laughs> this is a good reply from a teacher who is mad about the survey. Recently, I got an angry letter from a teacher who had taken one of our surveys. Their survey portrays a hypothetical student, Jennifer, who had gotten a 65% on a math exam. It then asks the teachers to tell us how they would treat her. Teachers with a fixed mindset were more than happy to answer our questions. They felt that by knowing Jennifer's score, they had a good sense of who she was and what she was capable of. Their recommendations abounded. By contrast, this other teacher, Mr. Ryerdan, was fuming. Here's what he wrote. To whom it may concern, having completed the educator's portion of your recent survey, I must request that my results be excluded from the study. I feel that the study itself is scientifically unsound. Unfortunately, the test uses a faulty premise, asking teachers to make assumptions about a given student based on nothing more than a number on a page. Performance cannot be based on one assessment. You cannot determine the slope of a line given only one point, and there is no line to begin with. A single point in time does not show trends, improvement, lack of effort, or mathematical ability. So some teachers get it, whereas Carol Dweck's teacher lined up the kids in class by IQ and only trusted the smarter ones. And literally, that's why I bought the books for all the teachers in my kids' school. This book is that good that I spent my money to buy them and hand them out. It's just that good. And so many people that I've given this book to are like, wow, that is great. I think every teacher needs to realize that they themselves are not fixed in what they can learn and how they can teach, that they can keep improving that to help the kids. <laughs> just just amazing. The the, in-search, the insight and research that she's put in this book. And Carol says she was delighted with the teacher's critique and couldn't have agreed with it more. An assessment at one point in time has little value for understanding someone's ability, let alone their potential to succeed in the future. Yet how many of us thought the IQ test told us how smart we were and could be? I love that quote in this book where she lays out that he created that test to see which, te which students were not learning by the methods they were being taught. And that with change, they can all learn. So key. More from the book. Is there more? Is there another way to judge potential? NASA thought so. When they were soliciting applications for astronauts, they rejected people with pure histories of success and instead selected people who had significant failures and bounced back from them. Jack Welch, the celebrated CEO of General Electric, chose executives on the basis of runaway, a runway, their capacity for growth. And remember the famed ballet teacher who chose students who were energized by criticism? They were all rejecting the idea of fixed ability and selecting instead for mindset. So literally, if I was hiring somebody, just knowing that they were okay at criticism. Shoot, if you're going to date somebody or marry somebody, are you okay with criticism? If it's constructive criticism, realizing that, yes, I can grow and change. That's what I hope. I hope I become a better husband, a better dad, realizing it's possible. More from the book. Proving you're special when people with the fixed mindset opt for success over growth. What are they really trying to prove? 
that they're special, even superior. That's scary, especially you realize that people that have a fixed mindset may not be putting as much effort and time to learn. Yet they think because at some point in their life, they're smart, they're bright, they have a high IQ. How much does that hold them back? That's one of the big points in the book, just that it can hold you back. The problem, the problem is when special begins to mean better than others, a more valuable human being, a superior person, an entitled person. That's a big problem. Entitled to anything. Entitled to learn. Entitled to have a chance to learn. That, that would be nice. But to think that you're more valuable of a human being, let's say because you think you're smarter. Hey, if you're not putting the effort and you're on an island with me, uh, you don't get to eat more. <laughs> All right. Back to John McEnroe. She talks a lot about John McEnroe versus Michael Jordan. John McEnroe had a fixed mindset. He believed that talent was all. He did not love to learn. He did not thrive on challenges. When the going got rough, he often folded. As a result, by his own admission, he did not fulfill his potential. That's one of the big challenges. If you have a fixed mindset, you're not fulfilling your potential if you're not looking at challenges as a growth opportunity. Realizing that with lots of effort, or maybe not a lot of effort, you can overcome and achieve. She goes, as a contrast, let's look at Michael Jordan, growth-minded athlete. But here's what he said when he returned to basketball and caused such a huge commotion. I was shocked with the level of intensity my coming back to the great to the game created. People were praising me like I was a religious cult or something. That was very embarrassing. I'm a human being like everyone else. Jordan knew how hard he had worked to develop his abilities. He was a person who had struggled and grown, not a person who was inherently better than others. So her summary for this part was, in summary, people who believe in fixed traits feel an urgency to succeed. And when they do, they f may feel more than pride. I just love these examples she has of stories about different athletes or teachers because it really sticks with you. You, when you can compare and contrast athletes and which ones achieved more for longer, the growth-minded ones. Mindset change, mindsets change the meaning of failure. This is key in life, in business, in relationships. If failure means you lack competence or potential, that you are a failure. Where do you go from there? You give yourself no chance to improve. You condemn yourself. How many people condemn somebody that did something wrong, some kid that did something wrong, or somebody that went to jail or prison? How many of themselves condemn themselves? That's the bigger deal. If you failed, if you did, you made some wrong choices, do you realize you can improve? I'm forgetting the guy's name. Um, James Altucher interviewed him. He was the largest drug dealer in America. Back in the, was it, 90s, I think it was. He got out of prison, taught himself to read. I believe he got, I'm not sure he got a degree or not. He goes back and speaks to people, let them know, you can improve, you can grow. He was illiterate, running the largest drug, drug selling in the country and taught himself that. Taught himself how to, enough about law to get himself out of prison to now try to give back and change. He knows he has more potential. He somehow figured that out. How many of us can mentor people and help them figure that out instead of somebody luckily coming across a podcast or a book? More from the book. 
Another way people with a fixed mindset try to repair their self-esteem after a failure is by assigning blame or making excuses. Because that's what it matters is their self-esteem. It's all knocked down because they judge themselves. John Wooden, the legendary basketball coach, says, You aren't a failure until you start to blame. What he means is that you can still be in the process of learning from your mistakes until you deny them. That's another thing. If you don't think you make any mistakes, how are you going to learn from it? If you don't look at how you could be better, you're missing an opportunity to learn. She has a section on mindset and depression. And and that's something else that can hit home with people. Maybe somebody that's depressed, if you can help them realize they can grow and change, does it save their life? Does it make their life better? Yes, it does. From the book, when people believe their basic qualities can be developed, failures may still hurt, but failures don't define them. And if abilities can be expanded, if change and growth are possible, then there are still many paths to success. There's so many good quotes and points in this book and so many stories. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you all of them. The book is 270 pages. I'm maybe 25% through my highlights of the book. That's how good I thought it was. Mindsets change the meaning of effort she has a section on. People with a growth mindset, however, believe something very different. For them, even geniuses have to work hard for their achievements. And what's so heroic? They would say about having a gift. They may appreciate endowment, but they admire effort. For no matter what your ability is, effort is what ignites that ability and turns it into accomplishment. You've got to take action, sustained action. Most every single successful person you look at and say they're successful took a lot of effort, sustained effort. High effort, she says, the big risk from the point of view of the fixed mindset Effort is only for people with deficiencies. And when people already know they're deficient, they have nothing to lose by trying. But if you claim, but if your claim to fame is not having any deficiencies, if you're considered a genius, a talent, or a natural, then you have a lot to lose. Effort can reduce you. Because if you put in some effort and you fail, you're going to judge yourself that you're maybe not so bright. Maybe you're not so worth it. A little quick for you. I'm just doing a book review of a very good book. I expect you to check out, or I would encourage you to check out Mindset. Very, very good. So I'm just reading quotes and giving my little insights on this. Low effort, the big risk in the growth mindset. It's almost inconceivable to want something badly, to think you have a chance to achieve it and then do nothing about it. When it happens... The I could have been is heartbreaking, not comforting. That really hits me. If I don't put an effort to achieve things, I'm more upset by that than if I try something that doesn't succeed. It's the giving up, I guess, because I, I always say you don't fail if you never give up. And as long as you learn something from what you would call a failure, it was a good experiment. It was worth your time. She talks about turning knowledge into action. Belief in fixed traits is telling them something entirely different. So, so many people really think they just have fixed traits. They only have a fixed IQ. They, only, they can only be so smart and somebody else is always going to be smarter. So not true. From the book, that success is about being more gifted than others. That failure does not measure you. And that effort is for those who can't make it on talent. 
the fixed mindset's scary compared to the growth mindset. It just really is. It limits people so much. And so many teachers and parents are limiting their kids by assuming, hey, Susie's smart. Oh, you're a little bit, yeah, you're not quite as bright as her. That's so bad. They just may not learn the same way. But they keep putting in the effort and teaching them to love the challenges in life. They're going to be so much more successful, have so much of an easier time dealing with even failures and setbacks. She says to start thinking and reacting in new ways. People tell me they start to catch themselves when they are in the throes of the fixed mindset, passing up a chance for learning, feeling labeled by a failure, or getting discouraged when someone requires a lot of effort. So if something requires a lot of effort, so many people look down at that, where some of the growth mindset loves the challenge. They're like, wow, the payoffs could be great here. And if nothing else I've learned in life, if something takes you a long time the first time, it's not going to take you a long time the next time. There's always a payoff or benefit somewhere. From the book question, can I be half and half? So she's taking a question here. Could I be fixed mindset and a growth mindset? And the, the answer is yes. So in some things, like I've said, when it comes to drawing or being an artist, I've always considered, hey, I don't draw very well, so I can't figure that out. And she pointed out, oh, no, no, that's not true. There are classes. You go and take that. You will learn what other people happen to learn at some younger age or that they put in all the time. She even points out how the some of the famous artists, they were so terrible to begin with, but they kept at it and they kept at it and they kept at it. Question, with all your belief and effort, are you saying that when people fail, it's always their fault? They didn't try hard enough? And she, she goes in to say, no, before we judge, let's remember that effort isn't quite everything and that all effort is not created equal. It's so true. And that's where I come back to. Someone might have a mentor that you never had. They might have had the mentor in the parent or parents. If they're better at reading, maybe it's because they were read to more. There's so many reasons not to judge yourself against other people. Just try to work on yourself to be a growth and open, a growth mindset and open to challenges, open to learning, open to taking action. Another question she has that she said people posed, you keep talking about how the growth mindset makes people, number one, the best, the most successful. Isn't the growth mindset about personal development, not besting others? I use examples of people who made it to the top to show how far the growth mindset can take you. Believing talents can be developed allows people to fulfill their potential. So literally, you only fulfill your potential by taking the effort and time and challenging yourself. The fact that Bill Gates didn't take a single day off from the age of 20 to 30. It, it takes time and effort for these people to make to reach these higher levels than even he realized he could reach. Another question she said people ask, can everything about be about people be changed and should people try to change everything they can? The growth mindset is the belief that abilities can be cultivated, but it doesn't tell you how much change is possible or how long change will take. And it doesn't mean that everything like preferences or values can be changed. So no, you're not going to necessarily change everything. If you have a preference for red versus blue, she's a much better example in the book. You may not change that. And in reality, if it doesn't matter in the scheme of life, it's not hurting your life. It doesn't matter. But how you look at things, how you look at challenges, how you look at people is important. How you teach your kids, how you, how you reward your kids. Instead of saying they're smart, literally, I love the example. If your kid scores 100 on a test, say, I'm sorry they didn't challenge you enough. Hopefully you'll get a more challenging one because you want them to look for the challenges 
Obviously, it's too easy if they're just acing everything. All right. She goes on to say, the growth mindset also doesn't mean everything that can be changed should be changed. We all need to accept some of our imperfections, especially the ones that don't really harm our lives or the lives of others. The fixed mindset stands in the way of development and change. The growth mindset is a starting point for change. But people need to decide for themselves where their efforts toward change would be most valuable. The big point of that was the growth mindset is the starting point for change. And that if you have a growth mindset, you're okay with change. You're looking for change because you're looking for growth. And in this world, especially in the world we live in now, with all the new things that come out and the pace of change, the pace of companies that just can be worth a billion dollars in less than two years, hopefully you embrace change and look forward to it because then I think you'll look forward to seeing more of the opportunities. If you're hating change, are you going to see the opportunities? You're going to go, oh, that's negative. I can't believe I have to learn something new or what is this new app that's out there instead of Periscope I should be using? No, look for it. So many of the people I look up to as mentors right now I've taken classes from are saying they go into whatever the newest, latest, and greatest is, the change. They go to the cutting, bleeding edge of change because that's where they can be number one or number two, and they can get the most people and get the most input. Change, change, it's good. With a growth mindset, you like change. And I can find myself saying, at times, I didn't like change of certain things. If it's, let's say, programming, it wasn't my passion anymore, I didn't like that I had to learn the new latest and greatest technology to, to program to make a website. I was having a fixed mindset there. In reality, if I change my career and no longer do that, it doesn't matter. But in, if you're in your passion zone, be okay with the change because there's opportunity there. Oh, this is a really long pa uh, paragraph. I'll probably shorten down some since it's like 10 lines long here. Growth mindset, people are all born with a love of learning, but the fixed mindset can undo it. Think of a time you were enjoying something, doing a crossword puzzle, playing a sport, or learning a new dance. Then it became hard and you wanted out. Maybe you suddenly felt tired, dizzy, bored, or hungry. Next time this happens, don't fool yourself. It's the fixed mindset. And that's what I, I pointed out earlier, is that as kids, we all love to learn. You're born. Everything is fascinating. People often say you should be more like a kid. Ask all the questions. Ask everybody questions. My wife at times uh, is not so happy they ask so many questions. She's like, really? What are you asking about now? I love that. When I meet new people or meet people, I don't know what they do. Oh, I love to hear about every new business insight there can be. Business structure. So the love of learning. You were born with it. But I swear, it's like her examples... Some of her early teachers lined her up in order of IQ and only trusted the higher IQ people to do things. So your parents could inadvertently, your teachers could have inadvertently put you into a fixed mindset and you accepted that because you were a kid. And you thought that a test score proved that, yep, I'm not smart. When in reality, maybe you didn't pick up and make a high grade in English because you didn't learn the way the teacher taught. Maybe you learned vi video versus audio. Who knows? Just realize... You can grow. You can learn. You're not fixed to some test score, some past event in your life. You're not. So I've been talking now for over an hour. I'm only on chapter three. This book is so good. And I reread about half of the book so far, I guess, or 80% of it so far. And literally the, the chapters that hit me the most were the teachers and coaching, showing the differences in coaches, how the best coaches that sustained the best records for the longest were growth. 
not the fixed mindset, not always judging themselves and judging their players that they didn't do the best. The Coach Knight, Coach Knight that um, threw a chair across the floor and grabbed his kid by the throat. For some reason, not really thinking about that or knowing that, I used to look up to him. But reading about him in this book, it's scary. He was such a fixed mindset that literally any mistake his players made, he judged himself for not being able to coach them to have them perfect. Whereas John Wooden, who you check out his TED Talk, I just did that the other day after hearing how good that was, he treated all people the same. And in the TED Talk, he's asked about which two players was he most impressed by. And he points out that there were two guys that were on the, they weren't on the varsity college team. He's like, oh my goodness, if these guys make varsity, we're in trouble. He said those two guys he was most impressed by because they developed so much and they gave their all, they put their all into it. They were definitely in the growth mindset. And as he would say, he may not let everybody play the same amount, but he treated everybody the same. He expected the same of everybody. His star player, Bill Walton, one time showed up for a flight or the, or the bus ride to the game, and he wasn't dressed properly and cleaned up to the right level. He didn't let him come. He expected the same out of everybody, and I think that's what all people, all parents, all teachers expect that everybody can learn. Everybody can become the so-called smart. They can all achieve more. They can all reach up to their potential. And the potential is not set by some original score or some original level, whether it's first grade, third grade, fifth grade, college. How many people are late bloomers and learn afterwards or find another way to learn? They find YouTube or they find that, hey, audiobooks are what really hit it for them. So this chapter three is good. The truth about accountability and accomplishment. She says, try to picture Thomas Edison as vividly as you can. Think about where he is and what he's doing. She then says, is he alone? And this I've heard from several people. The media portrays all these great inventors or great famous people as being a loner. So she says here, Edison was not a loner. For the invention of the light bulb, he had 30 assistants, including well-trained scientists, often working around the clock in a corporate-funded state-of-the-art laboratory. And this hits home for me. When I talk about having my own business for 13 years, I realized that only got kicked off and started because I had two partners. So now, what, 13 years later, I've started lots of other things, but I haven't accomplished as much. And I really think it's because of the lack of other people, other partners, other employees. I think it's so important for us to really know the truth that people that accomplish a lot don't do it all by themselves. You're just not as good by yourself. Now, if you maybe have a fixed mindset, you might think, I'm bright and I'm so smart, I have a high IQ. You're still holding yourself back if you think you're going to be the loner. She covers a section on mindset and school achievement. This is where it really, I was like, oh my goodness. Seeing the difference in students once they even learned about this mindset that they could grow their brain is like a muscle that gets better and better and stronger the more connections it makes, the more things it can reference. Just amazing. I'm so glad she did all this effort and that her students convinced her to write this book. She goes, we measured students' mindsets as they made the transition from junior to junior high school. Did they believe their intelligence was a fixed trait or something they could develop? Then we followed them for the next two years. In her study, only the students with a fixed mindset showed a decline. They showed an immediate drop-off in grades and slowly but surely did worse and worse over the two years. The students with a growth mindset showed an increase in their grades over the two years. 
that's where it comes back to it's so important to have your kids realize it's all about some effort. It's not about just being considered a smart kid. It's about the fact that they're willing to put an effort and challenge themselves and be okay with challenges, be okay with setbacks and go, oh, wow, I didn't figure that out. Maybe I should get some help, another way to learn this. And she has a section in here where she talks about some of these kids with a fixed mindset. They don't realize that just by reading the book and reading the book and reading the book is the way to learn that they need to adapt and try different things. And the student wrote her a letter saying, I am so glad you told me that. I've now improved my study habits and changed them and done better. She goes, I didn't realize, but I was in a fixed mindset until she was taught about the mindsets. She goes on to say the low effort syndrome are students with a fixed mindset who were facing the hard transition, saw it as a threat. It threatened to unmask their flaws and turn their, turn them from winners into losers. In fact, in the, in fact, in the fixed mindset, adolescence is one big test. Am I smart or am I dumb? Am I good looking or ugly? Am I cool or nerdy? Am I a winner or loser? And in the fixed mindset, a loser is forever. That hurts. I mean, I, to realize how many people, they think they're a loser. Because it's something that probably happened in middle school or high school. Or they're not worthy of something. Because let's say they didn't make good grades. Well, maybe that's because the teachers couldn't teach them in the way they learn best. Or they were distracted by the class setup. Or they couldn't sit there that long. I hope a lot of adults can read this and realize, wow, I can be much more. I hope a lot of people also help the kids by really helping them realize that they can have a growth mindset. Challenges are good. Look forward to the challenge. Reward them for that. Reward them for the effort. She goes on to say, it's no wonder that many adolescents mobilize their resources, not for learning, but to protect their egos. And one of the main ways they do this, aside from providing vivid portraits of their teachers, is by not trying. This is when some of the brightest students, just like Sonnenberg, simply stop working. In fact, students with a fixed mindset tell us that their main goal in school, aside from looking smart, is to exert as little effort as possible. They heartily agree with statements like this. In school, my main goal is to do, some, do things as easily as possible so I don't have to work very hard. And that's why I even challenged myself at times when I read that the second time. I was like, wow. I remember being in band and by, who knows, maybe I actually put in some practice and some effort. Playing the clarinet, I got to first chair. <laughs> uh, that probably lasted a week or two. And then uh, Karen played and she played before me in the next whatever they called that. And I knew there was no way I could beat her. I refused to play. Or I just gave up and didn't play. Went to last chair. Was that a fixed mindset? I mean, who just doesn't put in the effort? And I, I challenge myself and I challenge you. Can you think back to times that you would do something like that? Just not accept a challenge. And is there any chance you're still not accepting some kind of challenge? Because it really is in life for a potential. We have to look and overcome those challenges with the bump against our comfort zone and enough times until we bust through it and, and expand it. So is there any time that you just didn't want to try? Did you find yourself doing that in school for some reason? At work? Just not trying, giving up. More from the book. One day we were introducing the growth mindset to a new group of students. All at once, Jimmy, the most hardcore, turned off, low effort kid in the group, looked up with tears in his eyes and said, You mean I don't have to be dumb? From that day on, he worked. He started staying up late to do his homework. 
which he never used to bother with at all. He started handing in his assignments early so he could get feedback and revise them. He now believed that working hard was not something that made you vulnerable, but something that made you smarter. And that's what I referred to so many times here. That literally once kids were taught this and they were just given the opportunity to know that they can, they can learn. In his words, you mean I don't have to be dumb. <laughs> Lily, I mean, that is huge. Just by letting kids know. And I must say, once again, Brainology. If you Google Brainology, they have a class online, online stuff you can take for your kids or get your school to sign up for. To literally teach the students and the teachers these principles. Because how many parents and teachers may inadvertently be holding their kids back by praising them in the wrong way. More from the book. The students with growth mindset completely took charge of their learning and motivation. Instead of plunging into unthinking memorization of the course material, they said, I looked for themes and underlying principles across lectures, and I went over mistakes until I was certain I understood them. They were studying to learn, not just to ace the test. And actually, this was why they got higher grades. Not because they were smarter or had a better background in science. Instead of losing their motivation, when the course got dry or difficult, they said, I maintained my interest in the material. I stayed positive about taking chemistry. I kept myself motivated to study. It's huge. It is huge to know the differences. That the growth mindset really can help. Created equal, she says, are all children created equal? Let's take the second question first. No, some children are different. And she references a book called Gifted Children by Ellen Winner, W-I-N-N-E-R, who offers incredible descriptions of prodigies. These are children who seem to be born with heightened abilities and obs obsessive interests and who, through relentless pursuit of their interests, become amazingly accomplished. So yeah, some kids literally, I think she talked about a kid who could speak by four or five months or something. But what stands out to me here was obsessive interests. Obsessive interest is putting in the work and the effort in something. Which is what I think so much of this is. Knowing how you learn or how your kids learn and then putting in the effort. If your kid happens to be obsessive about something like reading or math, they're going to look like a prodigy if they're doing this by the age of one or two and they get to school by the age of five and they can already do algebra. That's why I think she references one of these. She says, most often people believe that the gift is the ability itself, yet what feeds it is the constant endless curiosity and challenge seeking. Is it ability or mindset? Was it Mozart's musical ability or the fact that he worked till his hands were deformed? Was it Darwin's scientific ability or the fact that he collected specimens nonstop from early childhood? Prodigies or not, we all have interests that can bloom into abilities. Effort and time, effort and time. She says, can everyone do well? Is everyone capable of great things with the right mindset? With the right mindset and the right teaching, people are capable of a lot more than we think. And that's what I think... People have to believe is that literally you don't know what your potential is until you work at it and work at it and work at it. You don't know how much you can earn. You don't know how successful you can be with your own business until you work at it and work at it and work at it and put in the effort. And she points out somewhere that literally 
the worst thing to say is, oh, well, I could have. Oh, yeah, I could have done that had I done this. And I've caught myself thinking that. Oh, yeah, I could have played college basketball at a small college. I will never know. Long gone. Never will know. And that's what probably motivates me now is I don't want to be thinking that. I want to find out, yes, can I have an idea or a patent that succeeds? Can I get this other business off the ground? Can I help people? Can I motivate people? I don't know until I put in the effort and try. Try new things. Try Periscope like I am now. I just don't know. More from the book. Garfield High School was one of the worst schools in Los Angeles. To say that the students were turned off and the teachers burned out is an understatement. But without thinking twice, let's see, it's Jamie Escalante of Stand and Deliver fame taught these inner-city Hispanic students college-level calculus. With his growth mindset, he asked, how can I teach them, not can I teach them, and how will they learn best, not can they learn. But not only did he teach them calculus, he and his colleague Benjamin Jimenez took them to the top of the national charts in math. In 1987, only three other public schools in the country had more students taking the advanced placement calculus test. The key here is asking the right questions. Saying, can I teach them, is yes or no. Saying, how can I teach them, means you're going to search to find out how the students will learn best. How can you take these students that most people think can't learn, they're not accomplishing much, and really take them to the top of the top, the cream of the crop? And it's not because they had a high IQ score. It's because the teacher figured out how he could teach them and how will they learn best. So key. I mean, everybody wants all their kids to have, to have teachers like this. And then personally, I'm like, I need to be the parent that can help like that. How can I help my kids? How can they learn best? How? Not can they, but how will they? Oh, this is a great one. I, I've thought about a lot. Marva Collins took inner city Chicago kids who had failed in the public schools and treated them like geniuses. You often give back what you think somebody expects of you is what I've got to say about that. Continuing, many of them had been labeled learning disabled, retarded, or emotionally disturbed. Virtually all of them were apathetic, no light in the eyes, no hope in the face. Collins second grade public school class started out with the lowest level reader there was by June. They reached the middle of the fifth grade reader studying Aristotle and a lot of other very famous people like Poe and Frost and Dickinson along the way. Later, when she started her own school, Chicago Sun Times columnist Zay Smith dropped in. He saw four-year-olds writing sentences like see the physician and talking about diphthongs and diacritical marks. He observed second graders reciting passages from Shakespeare, Longfellow and Kipling. Shortly before, he had visited a rich suburban high school where many students had never heard of Shakespeare. Shoot, said one of Collins' students, you mean those rich kids don't know Shakespeare was born in 1564 and died in 1616? So I'm really hoping that Mary Mar or Mariva Collins wrote a book about her ability to teach these kids that, as it says, was they were labeled learning disabled, retarded, or emotionally disturbed. And she was able to motivate them and give them the confidence to know that they could learn, that they could grow, that their brain is like a muscle. Another quote from the book, Benjamin Bloom, an intimate, a, well, he's an educational researcher, studied 120 outstanding achievers. 
They were concert pianists, sculptors, Olympic swimmers, world-class tennis players, mathematicians, and research neurologists. Most were not that remarkable as children and didn't show clear talent before their training began in earnest. Even by early adolescence, you usually could not predict their future accomplishment from their current ability. Only their continued motivation and commitment, along with the, along with their network of support, took them to the top. So this just points out that we assume so often that somebody's just born with an IQ level or born with being smart or talented, but it's just not true. So even believing that can hold yourself back and hold back anybody, any of your kids, anybody else. It really just holds you back when you don't understand what the truth is. The truth is people that achieve a lot usually put in a ton of effort we don't know about. And we don't hear about the failures, do we? I guess for Michael Jordan, what do we hear about the failure? He got cut, so he didn't make his varsity team as like a, a sophomore or a freshman. But generally we think, oh, Einstein. Oh, yeah, he had no mentors. He just came up with it. No, he had mentors. Benjamin Franklin had 30 people working in the light bulb with him. And they kept working at it and working at it. I think he tried 10,000 times before he got the light bulb, found the one that worked. One more experiment with 999 or 9,000 failures. So continuing from Bloom, after 40 years of intensive research on school learning in the United States as well as abroad, my major conclusion is what any person in the world can learn, almost all persons can learn, if provided with the appropriate prior and current conditions of learning. Just so important that you don't tell some kid they're not smart or they're dumb or they're stupid. Because in reality, they're not. They might not be learning because they not, might not have the proper conditions to do so. And even more important, they might not know that they can. That's why this the book literally and the, the brainology that she talks about in here, if you Google brainology, is just letting people know that they can improve is a big step. Just knowing that you yourself may have a fixed ability or fixed mindset and think, oh, I can't, I can't be an artist. It's just not true. More from the book. Ability levels and tracking. Oh, wait, wait, that didn't make any sense. Oh, but aren't students sorted into different ability levels for a reason? Haven't their test scores and past achievements shown what their ability is? Remember, test scores me and measures of achievement tell you where a student is, but they don't tell you where a student could end up. They just don't. It's not true. So if you look back, if you did that to yourself, don't let it happen like that. Don't condemn yourself for one grade, one high school, any of that stuff. The danger of praise and positive labels. How about praising their ability in order to convey that they have what it takes? We praised some students, some of the students for their ability. They were told, wow, you got eight right. That's really a good score. You must be a smart. You must be smart at this. We praise other students for their effort. Wow, you got eight right. That's a really good score. You must have worked really hard. They were not made to feel that they had some special gift. They were praised for doing what it takes to succeed. They worked at it. As we feared, the ability to praise pushed students right into the fixed mindset. And they showed all the signs of it too. When we gave them a choice, they rejected a challenge, a challenging new task that they could learn from. They didn't want to do anything that could expose their flaws and call into question their talent because they were just praised for that as a talent. It's that easy to affect a kid. Just praise them like that. 
In contrast, when students were praised for effort, 90% of them wanted the challenging new task that they could learn from. So literally, kids just take the praise, think they want praise from their parents, from other people. It's as simple as the words you use of how you praise them. Praising for the effort, not the outcome. Because long-term in life, it's all about continuing the effort. More from the book. The effort kids simply thought the difficulty meant apply more effort. They didn't see it as failure, and they didn't think it reflected on their intellect. Because they were praised for doing it. So they'll keep trying. Even if they keep failing, hey, I'm, I, people like it that I'm trying. It's really that easy. Can you praise yourself for the effort? Did you start a business and fail? Hey, praise yourself for the effort and do it again. Learn something from it and move on to the next one. There was one more finding in our study that was striking and depressing at the same time. We said to each student, you know, we're going to go to other schools, and I bet the kids in those schools would like to know about the problems. So we gave the students a page to write out their thoughts, but be, but we also left a space for them to write the scores they had received on the problems. Would you believe that almost 40% of the ability praised students lied about their scores and always in one direction in the fixed mindset, imperfections are shameful, especially if you're talented. So they lied them anyway. What's so alarming is that we took ordinary children and made them into liars simply by telling them they were smart. I, I literally am only halfway through all these good quotes in this book or all the good highlights I had. The book is Mindset by Carol Dweck. I highly recommend it. I'm going to cut the podcast and the broadcast here at a minute 27. When I release this next week on your business podcast, I will be giving some of these away if you're interested. If you can't, if you don't want to spend the money to afford it yourself. So I'll put that up there just for signing up. Not that I send any emails out yet, but literally just to see who's listening and what kind of feedback you have. This book is amazing for your own life. If you have any kids, anybody you mentor. In reality, I think we all mentor people and don't even realize it. We definitely all influence people, which is what she points out so much in here. Teachers and parents influencing without even realizing that they're harming their kids. When you praise somebody and they think they're getting praised for just being smart, that they were just born with it, they will lie and make up so many excuses to stay up high, to stay as smart and as special. When that's not going to get them ahead in life. That's going to have them cover up and make excuses, as she points out with John McEnroe over and over again. You want to praise the effort. I've taken this to heart and tried it several times with my kids and caught myself or caught my wife going, whoa, don't say you're so smart. Say, oh, wow, you did such good work. You put in good work there. You really challenged yourself with that one. So this is Kintrandell with Your Business Podcast, signing out. This is once again a great book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, How We Can Learn to Fulfill Our Potential.